Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online. It remains your number one spot for NBA, MLB, MMA, boxing. It doesn't matter. Every single prop, every single play, every single point, it's all at Bet Online. When it comes to bets, when it comes to props, everything that you need is at your headquarters for sports betting. That's Bet Online. Head to the website right now, use your mobile device, sign up, get a 50, that's 50% welcome bonus. Don't forget to use the promo code BLEAV, that's BLEAV, to get yourself a 50% welcome bonus. Come on, there's no need to hesitate. Bet Online, where the game starts. I understand it's not something comfortable to talk about like your sexual function or your sexual performance, but don't sell yourself short. It is important, but you know what else is kind of important? Not being totally embarrassed by going to a pharmacy or having to deal with a doctor when you're talking about prescriptions when, with some of these drugs to help you perform up to snuff in the bedroom. That's where Blue Chew comes in, okay? It is the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis at a fraction of the price. And the best part is, is you don't have to deal with anybody. It comes right to your door. You're never ever gonna be as happy as you are now to see the postman coming when you know that the package for your package is right there, all thanks to Blue Chew. Do yourself a favor, head to bluechew.com, use the promo code LIKES, get your first month for free and see what I'm talking about because you deserve to have the best sex of your life. And thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring this podcast. I hope you're ready to have your mind blown with the greatest health and fitness information on the planet. <laughs> yes, bitch! All right, it is the Mikey Likes You podcast, the greatest health and fitness podcast on the planet. I'm the Mikey who likes you are you who is like very simple equation. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be very honest. People achieve great things in the world and I'm not one of those people. So I've cut, you know, I've gotten kind of accustomed to just being comfortable in my position next to people who are achievers. But I'm beautiful, you know, um, and I haven't really gotten that used to being next to men who are as beautiful, if not more than me. And my guest is certainly that in spades. I'm talking about one of unarguably the greatest grapplers on the planet right now, Nikki Rodriguez. Thank you. Thank you. Representing the B team here in Austin, Tejas. How are you, dude? I'm good. I'm good. Did you always know you were beautiful? No, uh, all kidding aside, actually, I, I, I mean, I'm not someone who like, I, I'm not going to give you like false humility. I don't think I don't look in the mirror and go, well, that's an unattractive person, but I don't like feel beautiful, but I genuinely, uh, in high school and early part of like what would be college age. Um, I didn't know I was attractive to gay guys and chicks. Like I did, I did, I didn't know like I was that because my high school life was not that, um, <clears throat> I was such a, like, I was not a socially probably very enjoyable person to be around. I wasn't a prick, but I just was, I was kind of a loner. I certainly liked living a, a, a lifestyle that wasn't very 
appealing to be around. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got on TV. I remember pretty distinctly, like the first time I filled in for Regis and flew out to New York and uh, Kelly Ripa spending the first like 10 minutes talking about how I must just slay the puss. Not obviously not in those words on network TV. And uh, I and the crowd's like, Woo! like all the soccer moms. And I was like, oh, this might be different. I mean, I genuinely and because also you got to remember I was in radio mm. where no one sees you. Yeah. And uh, I had very few female coworkers. Um, and then I, I that doors, the doors opened up for me. And then I was like, OK, maybe I have some leverage here. Yeah, that's good. Me, I figured out pretty early in life. I would like, I'd like go on vacation at like 10 or 12 and like chicks would actually take pictures with me. I would like any old lady that saw me is like, oh my God, you should be in movies pretty much my whole life. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I was, yeah. High school was interesting experience as well. You know, a lot of that. You, but you know. Uh, you're really, really good looking guy. Obviously the Thank physique you. is there, but in person, you're even, you're one of those people that like, you're actually more good looking in person. Cause I don't think people realize how beautiful your eyes are on camera. <laughs> I, I think you. there's something to think about. Um, but, uh, you know, like I, I'm not even joking here because you are, I don't, you and I aren't like best buds, but we know each other a little bit. And I, you were nice enough to ask me to be on your podcast and we live in this Austin area and kind of in the grappling community. So I got to see a behind the scenes with you. you are someone who definitely, I think, uh, appreciates the ladies and, and understands your power, mm. but you're not like, a, you're not someone I would concern myself with. Who's going to like throw their life away to the poontang. Oh, and I yeah. definitely know those guys. How did you, did you, was it work to develop kind of the, the discipline to not, you know what I, uh, First of all, I had a, I have a great family, like mom, dad, brothers, sisters. So uh, I always knew what respect was my whole life. Um, but also I've been training, like I, I started out wrestling, you know, pretty like 10, 11, 12 years old. And um, I, I always had it in my mind. I would never skip training for a piece of ass. Yeah. So typically like, you know, throughout my, throughout my schooling, I always had a girlfriend. So I was like, if I get, I can get laid, I will never skip practice. So I just right. had a chick. I always had a chick that I could like, I could smash, keep her happy. And I, I would just never miss practice. So I feel if I didn't have, I didn't have uh, my mind in the right direction, I'd be like more for fo- focus on getting laid as opposed to progressing my career. So I definitely always had in my mind. I was like, all right, I'll get it, get a girlfriend. That way I never have to miss practice. And that was pretty much it for me. <laughs> It's, it's like almost like uh, I'll make sure I'm constantly eating healthy meals so that I don't have that. It's about like, how healthy reps like a 2 a.m. You know, fast food trip, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Healthy reps. <laughs> yeah. Good quality volume. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, I mean, that's a it's one of those things where I think a lot of people who aren't jocks or even living have ever lived in physical culture they misunderstand the real value to competitive sports, especially if you can, obviously it's great if you can be someone like you who makes a career out of it, mm-hmm. but most people are not that person. But what it does do is it really hammers home the idea of prioritizing what's important, managing time and then discipline. Cause like you said, I mean, we, we it's kind of a, a fun little tangent conversation, but in reality, if it wasn't for wrestling, you might not have had 
that ability to kind of really identify what was important to you and be able to manage it and kind of keep it balanced. You know? Yeah, for sure. I feel like, uh, you know, wrestling, lifting and stuff just kind of gave me, gave me, uh, maybe not purpose, but a, a balance or a structure to my lifestyle. Yeah. Like, um, did you, did you know what you wanted to do before you were doing radio? No, no, I, I, I was, um, I would love to say that I did. I would love to be, I, I, I have such incredible respect for Ryan Seacrest and you could be like, well, he's a cheese dick. Fine. But Ryan Seacrest, when he was in fucking kindergarten was like, I'm going to be the next Rick D's. I'm going to be the next Casey Kasem. And he just went boom, 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 boom. And the guy grinds and he, and he achieved it. And I think that that's amazing. I was not, I love radio. I love broadcasting. I like, I love game shows and listening to Howard Stern and Kevin and Bean out in LA. I, I loved it. But I never was like, oh, that I'm going to do that one day. Mm. I fell into it by accident. I wanted to be a rock star. And uh, when I got clean, I still kind of clung to that. And I moved rock back to Rock star like musician? I really did. I mean, I, th- I yeah. thought it was very childish, my, my dream. But I really did want to do it. There was nothing of uh, – even now, I mean, my wife has said, she's like, it's so weird to see even when it's something so silly, like uh, the other day, my daughter's school had like this uh, parent part, like parent child party to kick off the school year. <clears throat> and they had a karaoke thing. And I was like putting my name in four times and seeing and I was like, you know, pointing to the crowd. Ladies, you having a good time tonight? And she said, it's so crazy to see. I mean, because no one knows you better than me. And I I so free, infrequently see you come alive like that. And I was like, oh, I, I'm doing what I wanted ever since I was a little boy, I wanted you to can be. sing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not Freddie Mercury, but I definitely can sing better than the average person. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, I have an understanding of tone and can stay on tune and stuff. Damn, like that's that. what's up. Um, that's a good talent. I always you. felt like a good mixture with my beautifulness would be the ability to sing. I oh yeah. Crush. Oh, or <laughs> you know what would help? Like for you would be perfect. Drumming. Uh, drumming. If you could drum half, like if you were, competent as a drummer because that's the the shirt off muscle showing mm, thing it's yeah. weird when you see a jacked guitar player yeah like they're supposed to be spindly and same with the front like you become a like a weird thing like danzig became a weird guy because mm. he was fucking jacked but drummers peel down you could even be in your underwear yeah no one cares sitting down yeah and, and let that hog fly you know yeah look at tommy lee um but I, yeah, I, I fell into it because I got a, when I started to want to put my life together when I was in my early twenties, I got a job at a radio station in Los Angeles as a site like a regular person job so that I could pay the bills. Mm. Cause I had a bunch of these, you know, minimum wage jobs just trying to get by while I was going to build my life as, you know, the next Dave Grohl. And, uh, I through working at the radio station, I fell into people were like, that guy's funny. That guy certainly doesn't give a shit about doing publicly embarrassing kind of stunts. And I would do publicly embarrassing things. I would prank call the morning show, blah, blah. blah and it just kind of fell into I I was in the right place, right time. You done a, you did a bit, a, a bit of acting, right? I have. But most of the acting I've done has either been my wife's bosses throwing me a bone because they liked me yeah. i would go visit my wife on set and they're like hey look at this guy why don't we make him the the night watchman on the new sh- on the show yeah. we're doing or 
comedian friends of mine and like in the comic world in LA would be like, Hey, can you be a tattoo artist? Come down at four o'clock on Thursday. And so I like it. I think I would probably be very gratified to try to be like a, like a real actor, like a Christian Bale. Mm -hmm. But, um, there's something, there's a divide between me and that person in that I, I feel very scared. Whereas I don't feel scared at all to be, you know, like the silly guy number six in on Workaholics or in the mm-hmm. a, a Will Ferrell movie. If they asked me to be on a massive, big comedic movie, I wouldn't even be. I'd be like, yeah, let's go, let's fuck around, let's dick around. Mm-hmm. If they asked me at all to try to be serious about something, I would want to do it. I would, I would. It would be very gratifying. I'm very scared to put myself out there like that. Oh, I you see. Know? I always contemplate taking like uh, acting cl- classes because I feel. I feel like I could do it, uh, and um, I think it's just a good something to have in my pocket. Like maybe if I if I took a few acting classes, it might help with just like YouTube content and stuff. Maybe I could like for sure, you know, just better at talking in different different. Well, how ways. many in, in your in your career? How many attorneys or or accountants have you trained with? Where they're like, I know I'll never be Hoyler Gracie, but mm-hmm. this is helping me my job. When I get and when I'm on trial and and things go bad. This gives me composure when things are, you know, I, I'm sure there's a ton of people who grapple for that reason. Mm-hmm. I cannot see any downside to because that's the most embarrassing, weird, awkward situation. And if you can push through that acting is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because, like and I know musicians are out there and physical artists are there. You don't understand. No, I do. Because even if you're singing a song, you can hide behind the power of the amps or turn around from the – if you're a guitar player, you may suck. It doesn't the, – the the overall kind of bombastic nature of it, even in, in like folk music, you can hide behind stuff. To, to cry because you're pretending to be a child that was molested and now is in therapy as a grown-up. There's you are so fucking exposed and you're there's a bunch of other adults that you don't know watching you and they're like, go action that if you can push through that, regardless how good you or bad you are, if you can get past that, you can you can really kill things. You, know? you think some of those high end actors like have a problem like finding themselves, like knowing who who they are or is it just easy for them to shut it off? I don't know. I don't know. I think we talked about it when I yeah. when I came on your podcast is that I, I thought about that when you. One thing that I really realized growing up, becoming an I'm an old guy now. You know, I have a, a no, sense of nobility at 44. I'm not as noble as someone who's 74, but I've been around the block enough to kind of piece together certain things. I haven't certainly don't have it all figured out. But one thing I can really dig my heels in is that part of becoming a content adult, a, a responsible adult, is understanding identity. Because when you're young, that is so confusing. Understanding the identity of other people is this weird world. But even just understanding who you really are, what makes you happy, what doesn't, what makes you satisfied, what doesn't, what thrills you, what doesn't, and piecing together what it is and not falling into the trap of trying to be like other people who are doing it the way you want to do it, right? Mm -hmm. If you devote all day, every day to playing pretend, how hard must it be? To know who you really are. And maybe professional. And my wife says it's, it's not. It's not a It's not a problem because you realize you're at work and then you're not at work. 
But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, like I said, maybe real actors are out there listening to this going, shut the fuck up, dude. Yeah. You, when you're working, you're working. You know, it's like, how, I mean, is it hard for you to literally play pretend death with your buddies? And then when you're off the mats, is it hard to get back into like, oh, you're my friend. I just tried to kill you. Hmm. <clears throat> well, that's a good question. So I would say in training, I always train like um, I train pretty aggressively, but I don't train to to hurt or injure. Yeah. Um, so I have the ability to like, you know, train hard, but understand that these are my training partners. These are my friends. So, you know, you hold submission, you, you don't like try to break them, but man, in competition, I, I feel like that's really me because I can, I, you grapple a little bit differently when you don't care about your opponent's well-being. Sure. You know what I mean? Like maybe the collar tie has a little bit more. When you're putting an arm bar on, you're not doing it slow. You're breaking it. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty easy for me just because, like, I really enjoy practice. And I understand that if I hurt my my training partners, my friends, and, you know, there is no more practice. Yeah. So, um, no, that, that part's pretty simple. Uh, but I, I do feel like the real me comes out when I compete because it, I'm not much of a talker. Yeah. Uh, I'm more of a doer and I can do a lot when I have just one man standing in front of me, you know, you, you, we were talking before we got started that, you know, you've really developed an amazing presence online with not just you, but the whole B team really has. And I, <coughs> I love your guys's presence and I think you guys are being very authentic and it's really interesting to watch, you know, the, the kind of the comedic um, spin on things. But you have been because I, I don't see you as someone who like genuinely wants to be a shit talker or 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 promote their abilities on the mats with their mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've kind of been dragged into it, you know, with some of your most prominent competitors. You know? Oh, well, specifically with my um, I have a. I pretty much have a life enemy and his, his name's Gordon, Gordon Ryan, yeah. right? He's, um, and I have to beat him in all aspects, not just jujitsu. I have yeah. to beat him, uh, in wealth in in long-term health and, uh, in long-term happiness as well. That would make me have to win in all aspects. Right. <clears throat> and yeah, I'm not much of a shit talker. Um, but when I hit, I hit hard, yeah. you know, like, you know, I think, uh, for instance, right. I have this, I have this like uh let's see where where I start this at. You, you know more plates more dates, right? Uh-huh, yeah. He did, he did the whole drug test on on me and whatnot and I By the way, he's he's awesome. Yeah, guys, more plates more dates. He yeah. does a great great job. Yep, so shout out Derek for more plates more dates. Did my did my drug test my uh my random drug test passed my drug test and we had this guy Gordon Ryan calling me out accusing me of doing steroids and I just rebuttal I was like you know after I had a match I was like oh let's uh let's have a match since you're accusing me of steroids just have a match and uh let's both pass you saw the drug test before and after and he had like he had like something like 70 or 80 Instagram stories all about me and that warmed my heart. You know, I reply once he replies 80, 90 times. I think that's a win. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get in this, get under this guy's skin and then he unfollows me and my team has, has an emotional, he's an emotional guy. You know, I even, I, I don't, I met the man and I'm not going to, uh, even though I like you very much, I'm not going to get trapped into talking because yeah. I met them and it, to me, he was, the small time he was very nice but i i see him not only as an emotional guy but as as an obsessive person like almost ocd where like you said 
you threw out that one and he's now his whole day is devoted to like I'm going to I'm going to fucking lift. I'm going to yeah. train 10 times. I'm going to post about all of it because he like almost like he couldn't let it go. Can't let it go. That might be a part partially to the tism. He's he caught a little bit of that early on in his life. And then um, <clears throat> let's see. I could go like I could so could go so many different ways with this. But um, yeah, I mean, pretty much we we, we used to be, uh, you know, friends. I try I tried I tried hard to like to be friendly with him when, when we were like training together it's just uh, some people don't really have much personality and some people live on their phones so it's hard for them to like communicate yeah. and stuff you know uh but yeah he was he was nice when we were nice to each other and uh but now we're at war so it's you know you gotta win you're so successful and you're so dominant you really are how do you make heads or tails of the reality is that i'm not saying I have no fucking clue what will happen tomorrow or any time after. But at this point, he can objectively lay claim to being kind of the the king, right? Yeah, well, he – I mean, he, he, he can say whatever he wants to say. Right. But in the reality of it, me and Gordon have have a match, right? Our, our second grappling match on UFC Fight Pass. I break his foot. I have him in a fully locked Renica choke when the time – as the time runs out. Mm-hmm. And then he retires. He pulls out. Of, he's supposed to have a match against Felipe Pena. He pulls out of that match. I step up. And, uh, you know, he has a hard time recovering not only physically, but also mentally. Yeah. So it takes a mental toll on him. And then a few weeks go by and he loses like 40 pounds of muscle. And it's like, fuck, like I that that match that we have sends him to like a downward spiral. So you can see how how invested or just how emotional he is in it. And, you know, something like me breaking his foot, me, me almost choking him unconscious, just sends him to a hefty downward spiral. It's really hard for him to recover. And, you know, it's because I don't have situations like that because I am inconsistent in all aspects of my life. You know, whether that be training, nutrition, sleep, my relationships that I have on and off the mat, I'm I'm uber consistent with all those things. That's what makes me uh, much more well-rounded and, and just a, a all-around better grappler. So this guy has, you know, has his faults here and there. And, um, you know, I, I know I know that I outwork these guys. That's why consistency wins, in my opinion, and I'm very consistent. I, I've hammered that home so much, even just in a purely like a fitness sense, is like every dude that – DMs me or signs up at my Patreon. They're all looking for this like elaborate, perfect routine, this newfangled, perfect diet that's going to get. And I said, honestly, just be consistent with with like stuff that has the semblance of being good. Mm-hmm. It's way more important than two and a half weeks of your like amazing over the top bodybuilder program. If you were to just ha- have these foundational tenets that you just hit. For years and years and years, everything will work out in the end, you know? I, I can definitely agree with that. I feel like some people, um, they want to get, like, fit now. They're like, oh, I want to get in shape for summer. I want to I want to have abs for on this date. And it's like, um, you know, if you make small changes to adjust their lifestyle, then it just becomes their everyday routine. And you'll have those, you'll have those goals over a long period of time. And you can sustain that that physique or whatever that specific goal you have for uh, for you know longer duration i had a a guy message me the other day saying um fa- i didn't work with him personally but he just was a fan of the podcast and i really appreciated it but he showed me pictures of like this amazing transformation he looked great um and he said 
I just gave up on trying to eat and train for results. And I started to eat and train to, to kind of please my soul. Mm -hmm. I stopped eating foods that I knew were going to make me tired and feel bloated. And I started eating foods that I knew made me feel better. And I didn't look at it as like, this is bad. This is good. I know this is good for me. This is bad for, for me. You know, I, I knew that like, I may not like squatting, but I got chicken legs and like, so I started just doing what I knew was going to be good and fulfilling and everything started working out because I stopped having to like overly regulate things of this good, this bad, you know? Yeah. I think you can, I think people should associate, um, just exercise with, with happiness, with longevity. Um, not so much just like your immediate goals. Um, yeah, I I just feel like if you go to the gym and you're like, oh, this is a positive, this is going to be a positive experience. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to get a sick pump, going to improve my life in some way. And it just makes it easier. It's not so like, not stuck in that grind so much. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think that's incredibly good advice. One, one thing that I really respect about you and I didn't know this and as just like an outsider, just a fan. But then when I went over your place and I, I did your podcast and got a little bit of a behind the scenes look is that you claim to be very committed in all aspects of your life. You're very committed in all aspects of your life. You're not just this very one dimensional person. Um, I did the podcast with you and uh, you messaged me 10 times trying to get, get my opinion on tips Mm. that you could, you know, that you could use in broadcasting. If I had any critiques you wanted to know, you were very open-minded and you were like engaged and really uh, very driven to not just, hey, I've gotten some fame in the grappling world, so I'm going to do a podcast. Seems like an easy revenue stream. No, you wanted to make a really good podcast. And it, I, was, I was very impressed by that. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I do. I'm a fan of long-term goals. So, like, you know, if I can get, like, it's in... In this world, you're you're a black belt. You know what I mean. You're you're in, you're. Consi- I would consider you an, an expert in radio and podcast. So you know, if you could give me any advice, man, I I I'd take it and you know and, and roll with it because I'm new to the podcast game. You know, I I got to figure out kind of my cadence, how how I like to speak, how I want people to perceive me, uh, without being too unauthentic. Yeah. You know, so that's the honestly I told, and that was one of the things I hammered home to you. In this gig, not not like traditional television, but like broadcasting, it's all about the person listening or watching. If they get the sense that the person they're listening to or watching is exactly the same person when that mic or that camera turns off, that is what transcends. That is the, that is what like will give you that. And the person who's putting on a character can have huge success for a time, Mm -hmm. but it never Never lasts. And then when you meet people in person, they expect that character. And it's like, it's probably draining, right? That's a, I mean, that's what we're seeing now with Ellen DeGeneres. Like her career's over mm. all because sh- no one was better at pretending to be everybody's best friend. You watched her at three o'clock and every like mom or every, every viewer, they're like, oh, Ellen really does want to dance and have fun with me. Um, and people got the news that like, maybe that's not the case. And it's all over. David Letterman, on the other hand. From day one was like, I don't like you. I don't like this job. I don't. <laughs> yeah. like, but hey, here we go. All right, who's my guest tonight? I don't care. And th- he—that's why, because he was so good. On top of that, he carried in Bill Mars the same way. Bill Mars never made any apologies for being a smug prick. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm a smug prick, but I'm really good at my job. Let's watch. Would you like to watch me do it? You know? Are those two guys that you like kind of watched and you're like, oh, I can kind of. Um 
watch for inspiration, I guess, when you're trying to get better. Yeah, there's definitely people like I, I looked at, especially when I was like trying to build a, a life and a career. And once I really made the realization that I wasn't going to be a rock star, that I was, hey, I could have a life being a broadcaster. Um, Kevin and Bean, who I w- was personally working with, absolutely. I was watching them all the time and they're two completely different people. And I watched how they really embraced that they were two completely different people. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin's an overgrown frat guy. He loves it. Party time, Vegas on the weekends. Bean is this weird intellectual and they both let it like we're putting it out there. Um, and then there were the people that I saw who not only were really authentic and really good at their job, like Adam Carolla, but the people who would sneak in through the back door, who also didn't play the game and still managed to make it. Trey and Matt from South Park. Uh, Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville has a huge show business career by being a stuntman who wrote for a skateboarding magazine. Yeah. <laughs> but he was just good at it and people liked him and he grinded and he figured out ways to be. I love that. I love I think that's so impressive, in my opinion. I grew up um, in that jackass era. I was when that was on TV. I was I was watching. And you were probably like, how old are you? I'm 26. Oh, my God. You're so young. And I mean, that is a I mean, like I, I, the fact that you're so driven and disciplined at that age is you're going to, I mean, the, the sky's the limit. Um, but you ever roll with someone who's like 16 and they're technically really good, but you're like, when you get man strength, you're going to be, when you get to be my age and, and things that r- don't matter really start to not matter. Mm-hmm. And you have this level of dr- drive and talent, you're going to be a really happy man. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. Because, especially in this country, especially for dudes, you put so much value on your achievements. But then slowly, these things start to come into your life that you realize, like with with like seismic force, it hits you. You go, whoa, this is going to matter so much more when I'm looking at death in the eyes. And I'm a hopefully an old man on a gurney somewhere and i'm like fuck i may have a day to live i'm really not gonna care how many followers i had or how much money i'm i'm like you you have a kid and you look in their eyes you're like this matters Mm -hmm. you know or like your wife's fucking bitching at you because you did something not something crazy you know like cheating on your wife i'm talking about like you and your wife are having an argument and she's busting your balls and you internally are like why are you fucking with me i don't think this is my shit yeah and you go and you sit alone you're like well let me be introspective here and really see where my wife's coming from because this matters. And, and like just, and also even in a professional capacity, I'm not saying don't try to be successful, but you'll start to measure like, well, what does, what is what I'm doing right now mean to the world above and beyond what it means to my paycheck? Am am I adding positive to the world or am I a shit poster that's getting, $80,000 $80,000 a month to be a fucking asshole. You, you, you when it's 26, you're 26. It, it's pretty hard because you go like, I'm successful. I work really hard and I'm becoming successful because of that. I don't see the problem. You start to get a little older and you start to realize like, well, yeah, but is that, is this going to make my soul wealthy? Mm. You know, and I know that sounds so corny and Oprah, but I think I know what makes me happy. I like, I like adrenaline. I like 
I like establishing dominance. I like a clean house. Yeah. Nice dog. Good family. Clean My, house, nice dog is yeah. pretty hard to argue with. <laughs> yeah, right? It's simple. Almost simple guy. Things aren't adding up. And you're like, a dog will come up and you're like, woo, woo. You're yeah. like, wow, that's awesome. This is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is like the best antidepressant there is. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, you, you commonly make jokes uh, about being a, like a dumb meathead. But you're not a dumb meathead. I'm a, I mean, I'm you, a meathead for sure. You're awesome. I, I love my protein. And I love my, it. I eat almost nothing but protein and I love to lift weights. Yeah. Uh, but you're not a dumb guy and you couldn't be as good at what you do if you were dumb. Are you like going to crush John Jeopardy? Probably not because you don't spend a lot of time collecting information. Well, I'm more of the price of right kind of guy. Yeah. You right. probably can hammer it. <laughs> yeah. But your brain functions well. Mm-hmm. You know, I like uh, the, the, the example I always like to give is like there's different. I'm when you talk about people who are dumb. You're talking about a low intellectual capacity mm. because some people go to Ivy League schools and have collected a lot of information. They're not necessarily very smart. Donald Trump, on the other hand, uh, I would not put any money on him to win on Jeopardy because yeah. he does. He just does. He's like, what? You could see it. Sometimes he'd be like, what are we talking about in this debate? Like <laughs> as he's walking out there. But as far as how well his brain functions. It's pretty fucking high. Yeah. And my dad always told me there's a big difference between between people that can read books yeah. and understand books and like street smarts, you know, or common sense, you know, so um, got to have a bit of both. Do you find yourself having emotional intelligence? Oh, emotional intelligence. Uh, first of all, how do you define emotional intelligence? Like I have the ability to, to control emotions. Like I think maybe so, maybe so much so that I shut them off when I'm supposed to be emotional. I'm like, oh fuck, I'm supposed to feel something now, but I, but I don't. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe I don't. It's it is hard to define. It's a good question. I think someone who can be in touch, recognize that they're having certain emotions when you're really, really sad. A lot of people, they don't even, they won't even intellectually realize that they're so sad and depressed. Some people are so over the top excited about something and they don't even see the bipolarity to their behavior. Um, and then there's, there's the recognition of it. And then there's like the regulation of it. Like sometimes I get so excited about something um, for, okay. For instance, uh, no one likes pussy more than me. It's impossible. How do you measure that? It's impossible to measure the amount of, that, do you you know how impossible it is to measure how beautiful you are, especially with your shirt off right now? <laughs> That's impossible. I can't. I have stopped working out because there's hot chicks at the gym because I was like, I can't take. I have to go beat off. Oh, yeah. and if there's not uh, there's uh, yoga was off the table, especially in Venice, Cal- Santa Monica, Venice, because it would just be the Playboy Mansion of girls putting their ass in the air. And I was yeah. like, well, this I have to leave. Damn. Um, But I go, I'm not. Uh, a, a lion on the plains and I regulate that. I mm. understand that I can sit there on Instagram and look at Brazilian girls who squat in their Lululemon all day. Mm. But I go, I'm a married man and I'm very sexually content. And I'm very in love and uh, I control that. You know, that I, I look you at that uh, by masturbation. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. For me, if my balls are empty, bro, I'm productive. I've always thought about how we should encourage 
emptying balls before any major decision. Because so many, in most every really irrational thing I've ever done was for Poon. You know? Can't miss training for a piece of ass, bro. You got to get it done before. If you, Mike Tyson said, my pussy's undefeated. If, if you think about how many guys have destroyed their lives over drugs, gambling, alcohol, it's tenfold for Poon. Right. So Correct. be careful, young men out there. Yeah. Um, I wonder. I've always. I was actually thinking about this the other day. Do you think lesbians have that same? Like, if you're there's no le- testosterone. Yeah. Yeah. They got estrogen, right? And gay guys. I mean, maybe if you're in like a small town, but most gay guys, at least that I knew, especially in like L.A. or San Francisco, they don't have that same problem because. They can fuck when, like, they genuinely can fuck whenever they want, you know, because it's other guys. So it's just the straight guys that I guess it's tough out there if you're if you're a dude, you know. Sometimes I think we should legalize pro- uh, prostitution for that reason and reason alone. Probably make it safer for some of the ladies. A lot of these dudes, especially, and I hate to bring up such a dark topic, but whenever they do like the the reverse engineering of like a mass shooter, it's always this like incel dudes mm-hmm. and. And it's always these guys who are really upset at society. And I was like, if they could just have a reasonably hot chick, even if they had yeah. to pay for it. That post not clarity. would be like, oh, why would I show up to the school? I just yeah, came. I kill people. What am I doing? Life is so good. Or they won prison because they won all the dudes. That'd be sick. It's a balance. That would be. I got. That was my first exposure to like pseudo canceling was I was on E! News. And there was a story about Adam Lambert. You know, the singer Adam Lambert. Mm hmm. Uh, he like assaulted a paparazzi guy. He like smacked the camera out or anything. And uh, the story was <laughs> that he might be facing jail time mm. from this. Ass- and I go, well, from what I know about Adam Lambert, that's not the worst <laughs> punishment to be locked up with a bunch of dudes, right? Yeah. Super boneheaded, low hanging fruit joke. Oh my God. Get some feedback. Oh, dude. There was, and this is like 2012, way before like canceling me oh my twitter feed was nothing but people like you homophobic i was like come come on i don't think that's homophobic that's what i said it's homo positivity if anything he's getting what he wants i'm i really genuinely looked at it that way whereas i would never feel comfortable i've i don't know of ever meeting a palestinian person right Mm. so when people start going into Israel, Palestine stuff, I go like, uh, I, I would love to give you my opinion. I'm not going to make any jokes, but I was raised around tons of gay people, black people, Asian people, Hispanic people in LA. And so everyone seems very, I feel very comfortable talking shit. Cause that's, there's a, there's a relaxation there, which I think exposes the fact that there's a comfort level because it just seems normal to me as many people would say, well, it, you don't want to, uh, uh, heteronormalize things because there's people I go like, well, I'm not because guess what I do to all my hetero friends. I talk shit mm-hmm. <laughs> and we make fun of each other. And I, I, I always felt like there was some level of connection there. Um, but not a lot of people see it, especially from the offended Groups, they don't see it that way. I met a Palestinian um, 
once, I think when I was in Chicago and I was asking, because I, I know like some of them, they have like cultural beefs, right? Sure. And I was like, Hey, do you feed into like, do you have a, a beef with beef with like any other culture, like you know, Israeli or something like that? He was like, no, honestly, like since it come into the U S like, I just see everything for what it is, you know, that stays over there on that side of the yeah. world. And I really don't have any hate or animosity towards anybody, but Israelis, they're the devil. I was for anyone, but let me be clear. Yeah. <laughs> the Jews. <on> the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Called me off guard. I was like, all right. Oh, uh, uh, he buttoned it with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I get so many questions and I'm, nowhere near as good at either. Uh, but I get so many questions from people who are aspiring grapplers who also want to be buff. Mm. And they go, how do you balance the two? I go, it's a, it's, it's a game. You well, play. you know, jujitsu is a pretty much counteractive towards your gains because yeah. you're doing an hour of cardio every day, which is like, that's not what your muscle wants. An hour of, of, of varied intensity. Like sometimes it's really pushing and sometimes, and you know, and, People, a lot of people who, uh, I'm not talking shit, I, I think this is just a common misbelief. People see sweating and movement, and they're like, well, this is going to be good for having a good body. And it's like, well, no, no, no. I'll, it's very specific kind of to what you're looking for. Yeah. You know? I tell people too, because a lot of people ask me about like uh, lifting weights and whatnot. And I, I tell them you have to establish your goal. Do you want to be strong? Do you want to look good? Because it's two very different things. So you could lift like a power lifter and be crazy strong, but not not look good at all. Right. Or you could lift like a bodybuilder and you know still get stronger, but have a great physique. So you have to establish your goals and and then go from there. For for me personally, I built you know I built this physique. It took me like seven or eight years of bodybuilding style workouts, and now I feel like I just have to keep it, I just maintain, you know, I lifting wise, I do a lot more cardiovascular based lifts, like some CrossFit style stuff. Cause I'm more interested in, in endurance nowadays, but to keep the muscle mass, uh, you know, just keep the, keep eating the good food. And, and yeah, bro, I, it, once you, once you get the muscle naturally, you just pretty much keep it right. It doesn't go yeah. away there that people have a hard time, especially chicks. <clears throat> I, I have a hard time explaining to them. I was like, if you want to have a great body for a long time, there's nothing you can do that's more effective than getting some muscle. Yeah. You know, and skinny fat guys who are out there that they want to look lean. And, and so they're like, I'm going to go run 10 miles. Uh, I was like, listen, do some curls. The best thing you can do for, for longevity, for your health, for wanting to get lean for wanting is like actually have some considerable muscle. on it. I don't, you don't, not everybody needs to have your level, but having some actual horsepower, takes you in so many different directions and puts you ahead of the game. I agree. Like even gaining like 10 pounds of muscle, which is very doable, especially if you go from not lifting to lifting weights and you're young yeah, and you're young. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something common I see nowadays too, is like you take a kid like out of high school and this, uh, you know, early twenties and he's never touched weights. Right. And he goes right to lifting weights eating lots of protein and doing steroids. And there's like, wow, look at these results. And it's like, bro, if you just did the weights, the food, you would have extreme results, like uh, without without the gear and, and, you know, some of the health risks, which, you know, if you do steroids, it is what it is. It's not, you know, I, I don't care either way, but I would prefer that, that especially the young guys, take take a, a couple years, take a, even six months, lift properly every day, eat, 
eat your body weight and protein every day for six months and watch the results. And then if you're like, oh, I'm not making any progress, which is impossible. If you are doing your body weight and protein, you are lifting like a bodybuilder, um, you know, maybe five to six times a week, you're going to make massive gains. Especially if, and to circle back, if you do it consistently. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of young guys will go ham for two days a week here, four days a week next week, zero days the week after that. You know, yeah. especially in summer, you're like chicks and beer. And yeah, bro, even like 30 minute lifts. Like uh, I was the king of like 25, 30, 30 minute lifts. And, you know, um, on the days that I feel like I felt like I really didn't want to work out, I would just do what I love most and be, be biceps. Yeah. And 20, 30 minutes of biceps will get you fucking yoked. Well, it will, especially if you're expending as many calories as you are. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it is different for a regular person because you're doing 30 minutes of biceps in between probably your two or three training sessions a day where you're, Oh, well, you know, when I was, when I was, uh, first making like bodybuilding gains, um, it was, it was off season. So I remember I lost my, I lost in the NCAA, I'm sorry, I lost in high school um, state tournament. I lost my last match. And I felt like I lost because I was weaker than my opponent. Mm -hmm. So I go home, I watch movie Pain and Gain with, you know, Mark Wahlberg, The Rock. I was like, it's time. I immediately, next day, I, I go start lifting weights at my high school and I start watching all the YouTube videos, you know, uh, all, all the free bodybuilding content. I, I consumed it about the food, about the, the, the way to lift. And I just start, I just, I started and I, I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to stop this till I get the physique that I want. I, I'm still, still lifting till, till this day. Um, so yeah, I mean, you can, you don't even need a, a trainer. Some of these guys think they need like, you know, trainers to, to lift, bro, go watch a YouTube video. You can figure it out. It's really, it's the best worst thing that ever happened to the fitness culture. Because like you said, when I was in high school, that was not an option. No. Yeah. I had to go to a fucking, once I made the decision to, to really care about it, I had to transition from Flex Magazine and all that shit to literally going to the library and and seeing books and kind of like identifying the ones that had. And I, I after a couple of times, I went to a bookstore and had a special order because I started realizing through these books, they were always referencing super training by Mel Sif and taking information from the Soviets. And it was like a, at that point, it was like a 20 year old book. So it's got to be 40, 50 years old now. And I had to have special ordered at a Barnes and Noble in Pasadena. Then I went and bought that. Then I read it cover to cover. Half the shit didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand anaerobic output and speed strength versus mm -hmm. strength speed. And yeah. but I kept going and kept going and coming up. And there was these little nuggets that would say, and it's like training for strength, three to five reps, mm. you know, 50% one rep maximum for speed work. You know, blah, blah, 10 hypertrophy, 15 to 20 reps. I'm like, okay, now we're talking. And that, now that's like, my style. I, I like the, the hypertrophy um, training. I think it gives you a sick pump and you don't need a lot. Like I can make, I could grab a 10 pound dumbbell and fucking get a crazy workout in. I've noticed from you, um, your, your best friend, Gordon Ryan mm -hmm. and other, other jacked grapplers in, in the world who are, who are a either who are both really buff and then also really successful, you know, Andre Galvao and then, um, Cyborg Abreu, like for, there is a, a real connection to higher rep range, you know, more, more strength endurance work. And it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. A, because how useful is it to elevate a guy one time and then be gassed as opposed to being able to elevate 75% of a guy's body weight 
30 times, mm-hmm. you know, as, as far as like a, a six minute match. And, it's the same concept, bro. It's Jordan in the, in the fourth quarter. Yeah. You know, you got to you gotta know how to press on the gas when the guy's getting tired. How Did you ever encounter that problem, though, where, you know, I certainly did when I was when I first when Orlando Sanchez uh, got into jujitsu with Alberto Crane. And he's like, bro, you got to come with me and start. And I was like, all right. And at that time, I was powerlifting and bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. I was 205 pounds at this frame. Uh, what do you weigh now? 170. Oh yeah. Oh, you're way bigger. Oh yeah. Oh, I was, were you pretty lean too? Yeah. Not as lean as I am now, but, but reasonably like top four abs. Yeah. You know, tons of steroids. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, I was like, yeah, look, let's do it. And, um, certainly, especially as, as like a no experience white belt, I would get so tired so I would get tired shrimping, you know, warming up. I'd be like, yeah. <sighs> I could, but I said, but wait, I just watched Hamilo Barral and Orlando lift weights. How come they're not? And it took me a lot of time to realize like there's a, there's a, it's dose dependent, right? Mm-hmm. Strength, strength, endurance, muscle mass in general, like to the body frame. Um, I had to really understand like what's useful for that capacity and what's not. And um, I wonder if you ever, was there, once you saw pain and gain and you're like, let's do this. Was there ever a moment where you're like, okay, maybe I've gone a little bit too overboard because now I can hardly well, keep up with wrestling training. You know, I was, uh, <clears throat> so when I was, when I was lifting weights, it was, it was off season, um, you know, after wrestling season. But while I was lifting, I always had, I always had in my mind, like, this is for so I can get better at wrestling. So instinctively, I always went with the higher reps. I I saw everybody doing like, you know, three sets of 10 or 12. I was like, all right, I'm going to do four sets of like 15 to 20 because it's got to be better than everybody else. And then I started watching guys like Rich Piana. um, RIP, rest in peace. Yep. But, uh, you know, he kind of broke it to people. It was like, listen, like. He told people the truth, like, you know, he's on gear or whatever, but you can get crazy results if you lift the way I lift. So, you know, I kind of took that to heart and, and the food stuff too. You know, he was real big on, on, um, you know, on nutrition and mm-hmm. maybe not, ate, didn't eat the cleanest, but, um, probably ate the most, yeah. you know, most protein and stuff. So I clung to that, uh, just cause I felt like he was authentic when he was talking and, um, you know, I saw, I, I saw the reps, you know, you see the massive arms, you're like, oh, this guy's doing, you know, 30 reps of reps of skull crushers. And it's like, all right, like I, I can, this is hard workout and there's no, there's no way that I won't get bigger if I eat the food and I do the work. <laughs> you were, you were always <clears throat> naturally pretty lean and muscular though. Yeah. Even before you started lifting. Yeah. Before I started lifting, just cause of like wrestling. Well, I have a great, I have great genetics, but, yeah. um, wrestling and enhanced a little bit cause I'm moving people around. So even before I picked up weights, I, w- I was pretty, pretty strong. And there's, there's, uh, those are my next questions. Like, have you been able to see, cause I certainly have, there's some people who look like Adonis and then you get out on the mats with them. And I'm like, I just, I just double leg that guy. And I yeah. suck. I knew a dude. This gnarly ass Armenian guy, fucking man tits, belly, but he was a judo guy for a long time. An older guy too. I was probably thirty. He was like in his fifties, mm. looked like shit. Like if you saw him at the beach, you'd be like, this guy. <sighs> he was a gorilla. Yeah. And I and, and he said, bro, I do, bro, I do, gi pull ups, the chin ups, my gi, bro. I do Hindu push ups every day. And he's like, I was like, you know, live 
any weights? He's like, no, I do. I was like, what are your grips? He's like, I tell you, bro, I do the gi pull-ups. And he did, and he fucking would, he would put me in like, he would get on top of me just in side control and I'd want to tap. Yeah. And he was a fucking animal. Those Dagestanis or anybody that has chest hair that connects to their back hair. Yeah. As a strong person. You're done. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's a perfect example. If you brought Khabib Nurmagomedov in here right now, mm-hmm. I'll go in the gym. I'll destroy him in everything. There's no exercise where I wouldn't do way more reps and way more weight. If he was like my friend, it's, you know, we go, we do a little grab. He would d- fucking pick me up, carry me around, yeah. be talking to you guys as he slammed me, be like, "What submission I do?" <laughs> so like there there is a strength strength component where there's some kind of weird abstract thing in it. I think you have to know how to how to use it. Like you know, I experienced it probably the most when I was in college when we would lift as a wrestling team, and I see these guys putting up crazy numbers, and then I would just be able to control these guys on the mat all day. Uh, and you know, I use it differently. I'm much more much stronger on the mat than I than I am in the gym. And um, yeah, I think that just comes with years of of grappling. You know how to you know how to move people. Also, angles like like if somebody's pushing into you, you know, is it easier to make him go the opposite direction or just make him go faster in the same direction? It's I, I yeah, you're right because I, I remember Dustin Poirier talking about fighting Khabib, and uh, it might have been Rogan. Someone was interviewing. They're like, is he just so crazy strong? He's like, no. Uh, I mean, he's strong, but I'm strong. Everyone I fight is strong. We were talking about the UFC. Um, it was that these minuscule adjustments he would make that just made me feel completely inept. You know, he just understood leverage and balance so much better than most people. Um, do you worry, though, that – and you got, I mean, 20 years before – this is 15 years before this is an issue. But your game is so explosive. I mean, to the point that sometimes you'll put up – highlight clips where I'm like, I wonder if he feels bad about putting this up because you literally ragdoll fucking people. Mm. Um, but do you worry that that won't be sustainable for, I mean, when you're my age, will you I, be able to do that? That's a good question. I think like sometimes I, cause people ask me, they're like, Oh, you're so explosive, so strong, so fast, so good looking. Yeah. Like I can't, you're so like, well hung. Right. Oh uh, yeah. But, um, I, I don't see my game as, as like, explosive i think i'm very fast but i see it as me me making the correct decisions at the perfect time i think mo- i think a lot of jiu-jitsu right you have to have the knowledge first of all but what's equal as equally as important as the knowledge is the timing in which you do it like think about foot sweep foot sweep doesn't take a baby could foot sweep a, a grown adult you know what i mean i'm being a bit dramatic but um Timing is everything. So if I can keep my timing, then I, I feel as if I can I can keep this uh, this athleticism, the the explosiveness per se for for a long duration. Def- so much of defense, I'm realizing too is it's timing. Like I I will I've tried my best to get more adventurous mm-hmm. at, at at hunting for submissions because going from the day I started to like the middle of my blue belt almost exclusively training with Orlando. I didn't, it's gotta be terrible. It was, it was just survive. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, I really didn't develop much submission game because I was not submitting him <laughs> unless he, unless he literally technically let me and I was just giving, giving me life. But I've tried to really like, that's my thing now. It's like, I don't care if I, people pass, if people 
beat me because of it, but I'm going to start getting adventurous, you know? Mm -hmm. And I realized the guys who have the best ability to not get submitted is that they understand that exact moment when they're going to elevate their hips in a triangle or to to turn, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, there's just like that one split second where they could feel it's time to pull their arm and attempt an arm bar. And they, I think it's important to practice uh, both like early defense and then late escapes as well. Like I'm sure, did you watch my tournament where I had that like crazy arm bar escape? Yeah. Yeah, So like, that's all about, you know, timing angles and, you know, putting yourself in correct position so you can go thumb down and and escape. Um, But, preemptively like the preference would be to have an early have an early defense to where he isn't even able to my arm doesn't get extended like you saw with uh with wagner when i had a match against right wagner rocha yeah i just stacked him and i was able to apply pressure and then limp arm my uh limp my arm out and that if i can do that every match that'd be great but not only do i have the early defense i also have the late defense so when we get in those sticky situations i, I know exactly what to do have you ever been or are you ever still um Scared? Scared? No. Well, like of competing or, or? in in those mo- either pr- prior to or during? Do you get? Hmm. Do you, is there? I do you deal with that? Not scared at all, but um, I get I get uh, I'll get a bit of anxiety before like weeks prior to the competition. Like pretty much the day I'm like I sign a contract. I'm like, all right, it's real. I'm I'm gonna do this, yeah. and I'll deal with anxiety early on, and I'll do that by I'll put my I'll put myself like mentally when I'm in practice. I put myself in that competition. I, I'll envision I'll envision the the crowd. I envision my opponent in front of me, me stepping on the mat, the music playing shaking his hand and it being go time and i accept all consequences every every avenue that that could go i say it is what it is if i fucking die out there i'll die out there it doesn't matter i i'll go out there and i'll give my best shot at and you know because of my training because of what i do i know that i'm gonna that i'm gonna beat this guy or multiple opponents um so for me i deal with anxiety very early on um but when it comes to go uh when it comes to go time like my little brother, J-Rod, J- told me something that, that made perfect sense. It was like, it's okay to be nervous, have butterflies, as long as you could get them to fly in formation. Nice. Yeah. That's good. Sick quote. Hey, how old is your brother? 20, Come up with that shit. 21, 22. Good for him. Yeah. So um, He's probably slaying the post, too. He's recently single. So, ladies, hit up J-Rod on mm-hmm. Instagram. You and Giancarlo both, Giancarlo Bodini, he, he has a little twin, too. Does like he, a yeah. little miniature him oh, and really? he's so good looking and i'm like it's not fair <laughs> i ran into his i didn't know he had a little brother and i was like oh shit like it, they look exactly like you really, and your yeah. brother you know like That's it's cool. just like a shrunken version yeah i i don't i don't like that I, I i really don't have a problem with like some gnarled jungle animal beating the shit out of me but i really don't like when guys who look like you is it hard to break eye contact is that what you're just stuck no yeah right now i feel very fine <laughs> But uh, if you were to pick me up like a like a little baby and then slam me on my back and then uh, immediately pass my guard and come me so bad that I had to cry to my wife. Um, like I said, <clears throat> if some just like Blanca looking motherfucker does that, I go like, well, that's them's the breaks. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't like it when guys like you. That's what it sucks about being in a, a Brazilian artist. There's so many good looking people that beat me up. I don't like that. It's a tough, tough world to live in. Yeah, I, I Muay Thai was a little bit more forgiving. Muay Thai, yeah. yeah it, was, it was either some some gnarled ass Mexican kid, mm. or some dude who like you know drove a cab in in Bangkok, 
And uh, I was like, okay, you're, you, I mean, you're a tough, you're a hard man. Like yeah. I look at you, I was like, that's not, let's, you know, come on, be nice. It's you, not always fair. No, it's not always fair. No. Let's uh, wrap things up with, with, with this. 15, 16 years old, right? Mm. Young man, young woman. And you're seeing this explosion of submission grappling. You're seeing it in your Instagram feed. You're watching it on YouTube, whatever it may be, TikTok. And you're like, I want to do that. It's the best advice you can give them. For somebody 15, 16. Or just in a formative age. You know and, I mean? and they want to be they a make professional. The decision. And they want to be a professional. They think they can do it and they really want it. Okay. I, I say, um, m- f- first off, make the decision that you don't just want to be good. You don't want to be great. Try to be the best in the in the world. You, it's like what they say, you know. If you aim for the moon, you fucking land in the stars, Hit a star, whatever. Man. Yeah. So, try to be the best version of yourself, uh, but try to be the best in the world, especially at your weight class. That'll help you kind of kickstart things. Uh, all right, and then more more simply, find the best training in your area. Now, once you once you get a gym that you like and that you're not just smashing everybody at. Go there, train consistently, become the best guy in the room, and then you have to keep moving up the ranks through the room, right? If if you're killing everybody in one in one room, find a different room where you're you're not the best guy, and and keep moving up until you you eventually find you know maybe the best the best gym in the world come to be team jiu-jitsu you want to be great um so fine if you really want to be excellent in this in this sport train every single day i don't mean like you know weekdays i mean seven days a week train lift weights eat right get your sleep sleep is so so important you got to get you know i lay in bed 10 to get eight, eight hours of sleep and um so sleep is something for the for the natural grapplers natural athletes in the world sleep is your is your steroids right even if you're on drugs by the way and you're older it's that important. it's sleep, it's, it's sleep yeah <laughs> like I, i'm sure I don't know. Maybe later on down down the line, I'll, I'll I'll do some gear if I'm trying to compete at like forty or fifty. Who knows? But for right now, sleep is my uh, is my biggest recovery, uh, along with the nutrition. Um, but yeah, find the best the best grappling room in the in your area. Absorb all the knowledge. Uh, if you're, I find a common issue is um, you have high level wrestlers that are like finishing high school and they want to do jiu-jitsu but they go from being like a state champ and then they have this like this like old out of shape dude like leg locking them or something like what the fuck's going on you know so shut the ego off ask be annoying with asking questions nowadays you have we have we sell instructional so you can get the world's best technique link in my bio and 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 uh you can study you know what i mean choose a favorite grappler you the guy selling instructional is you can learn the techniques and you can become phenomenal get some good training partners and again for me it was always about finding the best room in the world and i had shout out jay regabuto because that was my first like uh jiu-jitsu coach and in south jersey um he pretty much brought all the best grapplers in in the in the area he pretty much brought them to me to one room and we would train together consistently until i was able to pretty much afford to drive up to to new york and train under john danner yeah. and then once I, I got the train under him i i kept sending it up to new, new york every day i was driving like fucking three hours in one direction uh to go train with him and bro it was the best decision i ever made so find the best room in the area be consistent become the best guy in that room and then move up i i was living in jersey i think right when it kind of became a grappling like, you know, you know, Jersey, the state of Jersey always had great high school wrestling. I'm talking where I started to, because I was at Rutgers at the time. Yeah. And I would go to the different 
Kim, and you'd see the Frankie Edgars, Martin Rooney, and the Rutgers wrestling team started to kind of fuck with people, you know, like the the Penn States of the world. They weren't necessarily becoming the, but they were. You were starting to. They were starting to get recognized and respected, and uh, like it was. It was really strange, and it's amazing now that like it's become this thing. Um, last question, because you, you did sum that up so well, and it was really good good advice. But what if, let's say, you're living in a place where there is no best room. Like, I mean, there are still, we're really lucky in Austin. Mm-hmm. I was really lucky in Southern California and New York city. It's like, okay, yeah, there's places where it's like, well, this gym isn't working out. I can go find another place. Even a couple hours away. Like you were saying some places like it. Do you think that there's enough exposure with, you know, the flow grappling and BJJ fanatics, uh, the, all those instructionals, all the best have the instructionals. Boss Rutten said that he learned jujitsu from watching watching videos of BJ Penn. I mean, do you think you can get to that point or at least get to a, a, a recognizable level with just training on your own? Well, I think, um, I think, I think, yeah, you can, you can get pretty good if you're watching the proper instructionals do drilling and then you go, you have these live situations, uh, whatever state you're in, if you're, especially if you're in a Northern state, you probably have some good wrestlers around, whether that be college or, or local high school wrestlers. And if you can train with wrestlers, they'll give you a, a more of a realistic, like competent competition feel when you're grappling. And then, and then you could drill with your lighter jujitsu guys. Like there's like, there's a big discrepancy in uh, the level of effort that people give, right? So mm-hmm. Jujitsu guys generally a bit more lax wrestlers yeah. want to kill you. Yeah. So, uh, if you're, if you're, if you're the best guy in your room, contact some local wrestlers, Be like, ah, oh, come in and do some jujitsu, make friends with them. Also, like if you don't have anybody in your area, you only have other competitors in different gyms, dude, make friends with them, invite them to come train. Like if you're in your early stages, these guys are, aren't really your competition. You know what I mean? May, may befriend them and stuff. And then once you're, once you get to a higher level, uh, you're probably making a couple bucks and maybe you can come out. Austin, Texas, or come out to a different gym and, and te- test your skills. Yeah, it's good. I, I, I said it was my life. I definitely have one that's been burning me up inside. I've been, there's been a, a whole revival of these videos of regular dudes coming into gyms. Like, jujitsu doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and then getting really fucked up. Mm-hmm. And then I saw your homie, the tall black kid, uh, he someone tried to steal his car that didn't go well what a bad what a bad decision can you imagine not only the worst like gym you could go to but the worst person's car you could break into. Uh, he he did not hesitate to dismantle that human being bro he so Heisem was pretty much first of all the guys for the guys that don't know who Heisem Reed is you can look him up he's uh he's like Six four, six five, two hundred and twenty five, two hundred and thirty 230 pounds. And he's from like his from, body's, from, in, his body's yeah. impossible. He's from Ghana. He's got the all, all the athletics, yeah. <laughs> athleticism that comes from Ghana. You know what I mean? So, um, so he's sleeping in B team, uh, on the B team couch. And like one of our associates come in, like, Hey, is there some, you have a friend like digging through your car? He's like, no. So he runs out there and, and this guy's like walking away from his car. And, um, Heisen runs up to him and just like, it was like, yo, what's up? And the guy pretty much just freezes. And he, he, 
Heisman was like the guy thought about running, but he understood immediately that he couldn't run away. You know, so he pretty much just uh, just get, give him the ball. Yeah, he was just like kind of t- they tussled a little bit. I think Heisman like foot swept into the ground. It went absolutely viral on Instagram. We had like a couple million views on I social media. It. it was great. I love regular dudes. Yeah, I, I don't like regular dudes getting attacked. Beat. I like when regular dudes pop off. Yeah, and then <laughs> someone just dismantles them. Uh, but never happened to you, huh? Never. You never been l- lucky enough to have some guy be like, I. You don't understand me, bro. Yeah. I see red when I get mad. Well, I, yeah, I, I was a bouncer before wow. a jujitsu after wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, my first weekend I was bouncing, we're like, ask, I was always being super polite. Like I, there's some bouncers that want to, they want to yeah, fight. Enjoy it. I was generally the guy that like try to just be calm and stuff. You know what I mean? So I'm asking this group of college kids to please leave, you know, the fucking bars close. And one of them sneaks behind me and puts me in like a shitty rear naked choke. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, he's on my back. And the second I feel hands locked around my neck, I was loose enough where I could turn and I got chest to chest, Uh body, body locked to the ground, elbow to the face and put him immediately in a seizure. And I was like, all right. I mean, he tried to choke me. I was yeah. in my right, you know? So you're like a Japanese cartoon, just giving people seizures left and that right. That was it. Yeah. Se- seized up. And, um, and then after he woke up, he, he didn't even know he was in a fight. And <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, dude, you slit, you slit, bro. Like, you know, it's all yeah. good. But yeah, that was, a, that was a bit scary. Cause it's fucking, you could kill a guy. Yeah, bro. It's not, it's not safe. Like I remember, uh, I got like, um, I got like fucking sued one time because pretty much same, same situation. I'm asking this drunk guy to leave out the back and he was totally cool until he took a, he took a step outside and he recognized he was getting like escorted out yeah. and he looks at me and fucking headbutts me in the face. Ooh. And I was like, what the fuck? So I push him. I push him. American guy. Oh, big boy too. Like six, four. That's a very British or Australian thing to do to go right to the headbutt. To fucking headbutt me right yeah. in the, right in my forehead. And it's Halloween, right? So I'm, my face is painted like a skeleton. Good time. And he has a big skeleton, like paint mark on his face now. He headbutted me. <laughs> Dude. So I, I double hand push, right? And my technique must have been great because he went up in the fucking air, landed on his head, had cracked his head unconscious, had like 15 staples. And that's just from an open hand push. It's like, dude, it's. If guys don't know how to like fall and shit, it's super oh, scary. It's really nasty. Very scary. So, so your homie, is, uh, Hassam, is that how you pronounce Heis- it? Hassam, Hassam, yeah. Hassam. Has he done an instructional yet? Uh, I think he has one. I think he might have a foot sweep instructional. Okay, listen. Yeah. His next one, please uh. provide this for him. His next instructional has to be Ghana in 60 seconds. God, oh, wow. That's good. Ghana in 60 Ghana seconds. Ghana in 60. And just him, like, like. With like the Nick Cage pose, you could do the bro. That's excellent. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, I really appreciate it, dude. Thanks for having. This me. was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, and everyone, check out B Team in Austin if you happen to be in the Austin area. Also, Nikki has instructionals available at most kind of like high end, you know, grappling websites. Instructionals on conditioning. Strength development, athletic ability, uh, body locks. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm known. For, I'm known for my body lock, my Roddy locking series. Uh, you guys can check us out on uh, on YouTube, B Team Shoots on YouTube. That's where we we throw down. We have our content, pretty much like we put a fucking TV show, pretty much. You know. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of good content. And uh, thanks again, man. Appreciate yeah, it. yes, sir. My pleasure. 
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.